Welcome, Gravediggers, to the Buried Sisters. This is your host, Irene, and I'm here with my sister, Kiki. Hey, everyone. And today we have, other than our wonderful producer, Lance. Hello. We also have a guest on our show, and his name is Clay. Say hello. That's me, Clay, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're going to talk about a new case known as the Ketty Cabin Murders. I like it already. (laughs) It's a catchy name. It is. Yeah, it is. Spelt fall case, maybe? Oh, Lord. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get right into it. So... Uh, This story takes place in Northern California, about an hour and a half away um, further north of Sacramento in this really small town of Ketty. And this place is just really remote, really, like I said, really small. Um, Just to give you guys a perspective of how small it is today, there's a total of 58 people that live there. Like that's the whole town's oh, wow. population. Do we even consider that a town? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a grocery store. Yeah. 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 Right? <laughs> so it's just really like a very wooded area, cabins, um, and just like I said, very Perfect place for murder. Yeah, right. Mm. Very remote. Let's go camping there. I'm, I'm <laughs> Let's down. do it. Oh, I'm in next week. <laughs> I got the I got the tent. Got, oh, I don't know about that. I need a cabin. <laughs> I need to lock the doors. Bougie camping. Got it. <laughs> Glamping. You need extra security. Yeah. I don't know. They usually come through the window. They do. All right. So the story is about a 36-year-old single mother, mm-hmm. and her name was Glenda Sue Sharp. She just went by the name of Sue. She didn't like her first name, I guess. It's- and basically, Sue had moved into cabin 28 of the Ketty Resort with her five kids. So her five kids were John, age 15, Sheila, she was 14, Tina was 12, Ricky was 10, and Greg was age five. Dang. Yeah, she Baby had a lot factory. of kids. All yeah. different names, And she too. was pretty young. She was only 36, so I'm like, I can't 10% imagine 10% of the population, yeah, right? <laughs> right. She was in it to win it. <laughs> she was. And so she had moved her family out there in December of 1980, And it was pretty much to get a fresh start on life. Her and her husband had just become recently divorced or separated. Um, It was reported that he was abusive towards her. And so she just up and left. And as a single mom, I'm sure he wasn't paying child support. As a single mom, she really had limited options on what she could afford. And being out there in Ketty, it was very, very affordable, really cheap. Um, Well, yeah, there's only 10 people. (laughs) So you said... For us to gain perspective on how small it is, there's about 56 people. That's today. Now, was that the same type of population then, or was it a little more of an up-and-coming town, or was it always kind of a small, a little more affordable place? Yeah, it was always a small, just okay. like kind Talking of off the charts. One type. grocery store, one, yeah. one grocery station, store town. Like, yeah. Right, right. One horse town. One, bar. one horse town, <laughs> for sure, yeah. So our story takes place on the evening of April 11th, 1981, and this started as a pretty ordinary evening. The youngest boys, uh, Ricky and Greg, had asked their mom if one of their friends could spend the night, and the friend that they were asking about was named Justin Eason. Mm. Justin was 12 years old. He lived in about two cabins down, cabin 26, and... He was also pretty new to the area. So I believe, I think Justin had moved there about a month before Sue had moved her family there. So they were all He's still learning the ropes. Yeah. So they're all relatively pretty new to the area. But, anyways, um, their mom said, Yeah, no problem. He could spend the night. 
Um, she knew that if there was ever an issue, like if he was misbehaving or got scared or whatever, I mean, his his mom out. was like, yeah, two doors down. So it wasn't a big deal. Get out. Yeah, go home. Um, and in addition to that, also uh, that night in particular, the house was fairly empty. Like I said, she had five kids. But that evening, her daughter, Sheila, was actually going to sleep over at her friend's house, also in a neighboring cabin. And her son, John was going to go out with his best friend, Dana, to go hang out in the nearby town of Quincy. And it wasn't supposed to be for all night, but the boys would be out for a while. So Sue was like, yeah, sure, you can sleep over. Was Not Quincy a big deal. like the more populated town? Yeah, it was like the actual like city, I oh, guess. Okay. Um, the closest one. Yeah. Right, <laughs> more than 50-something <laughs> people, so... For sure. And then, um, I'm sorry, one more thing. And Tina, the 12-year-old, was also at another friend's house. And when I say house, I mean all the surrounding cabins, basically. So we've got Sheila, who's in one cabin next door. Tina is at another cabin. They're just hanging out with their friends, watching TV, whatever. All in the same area. Yeah, all in the same area. And... um, Mama can just Mama reach out is the fine. Just, yeah. Hey, <laughs> Sheila. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Supper's ready. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So basically that was it. The only one that was not planning to come home that night was Sheila. Everybody okay. else was like, oh, I'm going to go watch TV, but I'll be back around 10 or whatever. And so that was the plan. And so everyone went on their way. And that's how the evening was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So the night comes and goes. The following morning, Sheila... Um, actually does return home around 7.45 in the morning. Dang. She walks over, and as soon as she opens the door, she just kind of has this weird feeling. And she opens it, calls out her mom's name, no answer. She's thinking, okay, maybe they're still asleep. It's, you know, still, it's 7.45, so it's not like it was noon or anything. Doesn't think much of it. But as she steps into the living room, she just all of a sudden smells this horrible stench. And... As she looks around, her heart just drops. What she sees is her brother, John, lying on his back on the living room floor. So he was laying face up and he just had all of this blood caked around his neck and his face. And next to him on the floor was his friend, um, his friend Dana, who he oh, was hanging out with. Chose the wrong cabin to hang out in. Yeah, right. And Dana was also on the floor and he was bound, but he was lying face down instead of face up. Both of the boys were bound at their hands and feet. Wow. And I'll get into, I guess I could just tell you right now, um, but they were they were tied up with like extension cords mm-hmm. and any kind so of- things they found around the house. Yeah, yeah. Right. things they found around the house. Right. right. So they went around to like different appliances- no duct tape. Pulled up. Right. No <laughs> duct tape. Well, actually, they had. That's funny you say that. Um, they were actually also bound with like medical tape. So, like, you know, when you know when you like have like gauze. Right. So it was literally everything that they could find. Everything yeah. they could find. Right. So obviously, this person didn't come in with with yeah. their yeah. own like, ropes and skilled. whatever. Right. Didn't have a duffel bag full of goodies. Yeah. Right. Right. Although, you know, kind of to touch on that, um, investigators for some reason believe that what they did bring was that medical tape. Mm. I was going to say, I mean, what do I know? But in like a small little town like that, a cabin, I mean, who the hell's going to find medical tape? I mean, you can, you could just go look at the bathroom. But I thought that was out of everything you just named. I thought that was was the one thing thing that that sounded very specific. Right. Yeah, definitely. So. All right. So they're tied up. So they're tied up. Dried, crusty. They're both dead. One of them face up, one of them face down. And where, where their feet are bound, they had taken the 
the um, extension cords and tied the boys' feet like not together, but they were connected with the same extension cord at the okay. feet. Mm-hmm. You know, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Making use of what he yeah, has. Yeah, I guess. So Sheila, you know, obviously she's just struck with terror. She's stunned. And she slowly turns to the right and she sees this kind of like this yellow blanket that was draped over a shape of what looked like a body. And at that point, without even looking under the blanket, she just runs out of there screaming at the top of her lungs uh, back to her friend's house. And the the family that she had stayed with are called the Seabolts. So she ran back over there, just panicking, screaming. Um, and again, she didn't even confirm who what was, was or who was under there, but she How just many, got out of there. there. Was someone in the bathroom. She yeah, no, just she like, just got go. the hell out of there. Right. Yeah, I don't blame her. Sounds like something um, Kiki would do. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. See ya. Cool. Yeah, it's terrible. And so she runs to the neighbor's house, and again, you know, this really remote little town. They didn't have a phone um, at that cabin that she went to. So the the mom of the the family, Mrs. Seabolt, runs to the front office of the Kitty Resort. And gets the owner. Her name was Jan. She calls the police. And as they're making that phone call, the the dad, Mr. Seabolt, is going back to the cabin um, in order to check on the boys. Because remember that, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was still Tina, the Mm 12-year-old, and the two little... I guess little the two younger brothers, a right. ten year old and a five year old, and All then their friend cabins. that slept over too. Okay. And so we they hadn't right. seen them. And so the dad right. they don't know what time this murder happened, if it was before or after they were supposed to come home or Right, right. And so when the dad went over there to help, he um, he went to the window, like the bedroom window, and then kind of like helped the boys out through the window because he didn't want them to see what was what so happened they were in there. the living room. They were there. They were home. Okay. Back at their cabin. At the in the same cabin okay. that... In the, the same cabin that the murders happened. Wow. They were still there. The, oh. the boys were still there. Sorry if that was confusing. And they didn't, and they didn't know that they're at this point... Or are you getting there? Hiding? I don't want to jump ahead. No, it's okay. Yeah, they... Uh, the story changes a little bit, but... Um, Originally, they say that they didn't hear anything. They didn't see anything at all. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was very strange that they didn't Mm. hear people getting killed. Suspicious. Yep. So when the police finally get there and they enter cabin 28, of course, there's this totally grisly scene. Uh, Sue, her son, John, and like I said, John's friend had all been bound with medical tape electrical appliance wires that were again taken from the appliances in the home and extension cords found around the house oh the mom as well the mom was well that, that, that was, was the body the, under yeah, the yellow the blanket, oh, blanket. Okay. wow yeah. this sounds like the bates motel <laughs> I know. I, yeah i had the same image <laughs> you know that's what i keep yeah. imagining like norman like killed his mother because you know he, he wanted to preserve her bones or something Definitely. anyway yeah very bates motel i'm yeah. into it so when cabin version yeah right like Bates Motel meets Friday the 13th exactly (laughs) so the investigators uh, once they examined the bodies they found out that Sue's body was under the yellow blanket she was wearing just a robe and originally she was wearing her underwear as well but when they found her her underwear had been removed and forced into her mouth oh yeah along with the ball shut her up somehow yeah along with a ball of tape so truly like the underwear and the tape were serving the purpose of being a gag wow and so and then on top of so imagine like a ball of tape the underwear all together in the mouth and then what's holding it in place and wrapped around her head is an extension cord i'm surprised he didn't use surgical tape some people pay for that keep it 
secure around her. That's yeah, interesting. I thought I, well, and then also the extension cord that was tied around her face to keep the, that gag in her mouth was also the same one used to tie her legs and ankles. So she had it running from her head oh, wow. all the way down to her feet. Wow. Yeah. And um, tied her up like a cow. Yeah. Like a hog tied her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so Sue and her son John were both beaten with a claw hammer. And they were stabbed multiple times in their chest area, their bodies, and their throats. My gosh. Yeah. So they it was a very, very intense killing, very personal killing. Um, and for some reason, although they didn't find any shots fired, they did examine Sue's head and they found an imprint that matched the butt of an 880 rifle. Hmm. Oh, like so they like hit her so, so yeah. hard yeah, with the butt of the rifle imprint. yeah that they and, left an imprint in her head and did right. they know where that rifle if it was something that was the homeowner's rifle if it was sue's rifle or if there was you know because obviously that imprint came from you know what they never they never found the rifle so i don't oh, know actually yeah and huh. I, i've read several different things and i don't know if i just missed it but i, mean, I feel it like been his and he Mm-hmm. Or whoever the killer out originally. Right. Or, Did, yeah, you said that they were stabbed. Were they stabbed with a knife or were they stabbed with yeah. the back of the hammer? They were stabbed with uh, both, but also there were two knives that were found at the scene. Okay. And a lot of people kind of are obsessed over the fact that one of the knives was very, like the blade was really severely bent, <laughs> almost mm. like to like a 90 degree angle. And a lot of people say, oh my gosh, they stabbed her with such force that it bent. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's true, but... I think you can bend a knife kind of easily, like I mean, like a steak knife. I mean, it could have, you know, been protecting herself and just holding. And it. she actually did. There mm. was defensive wounds on her arms that show that she tried to defend herself. Yeah. But um, she could have been the one bending it. But I think that they, the coroner matched the blade of the knife. It was consistent with the stab wounds, at least okay. some of them. So I'm pretty sure that was used. Um, yeah, to kill her and her son. I'd John. rather want to be stabbed than beaten with a hammer. Yeah, in the chest. right, right. Ugh. <laughs> horrible and so um so both her and her son killed in the same way the friend um the friend dana was also beaten but instead of him being beaten with that claw hammer he was beaten with a different hammer and this jesus this, how many hammers yeah, right, do they, they, have? they said that they used two different hammers two and different, two different knives. knives interesting and then the butt of that i gun. wonder if whoever gun. did it expected just it just to be the brother and sue there and had like specific weapons for each one and then the oh, friend just yeah, happened maybe. to be there i don't murders? know two people right mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah two murder four murder weapons when he used two on each person but then that guy was just at the wrong place at the wrong time right yes yeah, definitely yeah wrong and, friend to and sleep it's over. funny you yeah. say that because actually there are like some theories of like who did it and really yeah like he had it out for the mom and the son i wonder if it was a crazy dad oh yeah right because she just dipped. I'm Nancy like, Drew. I'm, I'm take, Nancy I'm Drew, baby. I'm going to take my litter of children and I'm going to leave. <laughs> Carmen <laughs> San Diego. I'm going to find this all out. I'm going to I'm going to solve the case. <laughs> all right. So the friend, like we said, he was killed with a different hammer. Um, and I think has? that the actual cause of death, though, was manual strangulation. So somebody sat there and strangled him oh with my. their bare hands until he died. That's that's pretty gangster. Yeah, it's very brutal. Very, that's very, very, very brutal. That's, I, I, that's I wonder what's more brutal, shot. though, like for a person, like if I were a psychopath, which I kind of am sometimes. If you were <laughs> <laughs> like, but um, 
the act of strangling someone and feeling someone dying in your hands, but also the act of violently plunging a knife into someone over and over, or even taking a hammer and just seeing their head basically like explode at your hands. Like, I'm not sure what's worse or what's more brutal at all. all Different perception. I, you know, it it really all has its own fucked up. Either way, you're taking taking life. Yeah. You're putting them all together in this one. Yeah. I guess they did a little bit of everything. It's like a buffet of hands, buffet of murders. Brutal. Oh boy, buffet of murder. <laughs> I love yeah. a buffet. <laughs> yeah, you do. So when they were um, investigating the crime scene, blood blood wasn't just confined to the floor in the living room, or just around the victims. It was kind of all over. And again, I mean, how could it not? Right. Be? Think of the velocity of blood spatter if you're stabbing someone or hitting them with a hammer. That blood is going to spray all over I the place. I cut my middle finger on a can once and that shot and hit the ceiling. Can you imagine getting pounded in the chest with a oh hammer? God. And then strangled and then go? stabbed yeah, and, right? then, and then and then and then. So I mean I bet you it just looked like a massacre in there. Oh yeah. And it, I mean and it was so absolutely. Is there yeah. pictures online of there, how that looks? Yes there is definitely. We should look that up later. I yeah. Agree. We should all look it up together before this podcast is over. Okay, I, I have some. I'm gonna have nightmares, Ooh, you guys. Well, we got. Oh, we got I need to watch. We got I need to watch here. Cheers before I go to bed. Tonight. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Y'all so, are gonna give me some nightmares. Just not to go off tangent, but these are just like the pictures of like the area, so you can get an idea, like really secluded, it's wooded area. Maybe we can post the pictures area. if we make this into a video for everyone oh, man, to see. That, that oh, absolutely. Looks, that looks like a murder would this happen was, there. Absolutely. This was yeah. This was the resort. Yeah, it's wooden Bates Motel. Kevin yeah. Bates. Wow. Okay, so like I said, blood everywhere, um, on the ceiling, on the walls. There's kind of like knife marks in the walls. It's just everywhere. And so originally the investigation into the murders was handled by the Plumas County Sheriff's Office. And a lot of, there's a lot of controversy with this because they said that they messed up a lot of things. Like they didn't secure the crime scene Hmm. uh, in the correct way. So there was a lot of people walking through that shouldn't have been. Um, A lot of evidence was contaminated and so on. But one of the weirdest things that they did or actually didn't do was the amount of time that it took for the police to realize that the 12-year-old daughter, Tina, was missing. And so we've accounted for the two boys, right? They were asleep Hmm. in the room, apparently with their friend. Which is so odd to me still, but yeah. That sounds like a crazy murder. There's no way that was saying that. Yeah. I can hear a fart from the living room telling me you can't <laughs> right. hear You're somebody beating someone. Three different people dying. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I don't know about that. And so, and, but, and Tina was gone. Was so when Tina the police, the, the 12 year old at another friend's house, but yeah. same, she, well, same she went there to watch TV, but she came home at 10. Okay. So she was home Yeah. and we'll get to what All they right. say may have happened to her in just a minute. Um, so when they arrived, the, and you know, the person to tell the police that she was missing was actually the neighbor, the friend, Justin, the kid that slept over. And he's telling the cops, hey, there's a there's a 12-year-old girl, Tina. She was here last night. She was with us, or she was at least home, and we she's not anywhere to be seen. And for some reason, they ignored him. Like, they didn't take him seriously or didn't make the hmm. report. And so it wasn't until hours later that everyone finally realized that this 12-year-old girl was missing and took him. Oh, what? Insane. You're not kidding? Yeah. Yes. So it's like, why would the sheriffs ignore what he had to say? Yeah. And this will go into what I'll talk about in just a few minutes of, like, a cover-up and how a lot of people think that the sheriff was in on it or knew who the killer was. And oh, so, what? And the plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's what happens when you go to these small towns. Absolutely. <laughs> no offense to all you small town folk. <laughs> but you got some secrets. Y'all have some yeah. stories. <laughs> so while these brutal attacks were going on inside of cabin 28, like we said, Ricky and Greg, the two youngest boys, and their friend Justin were sleeping in the boys' bedroom. They were all found the next morning completely unharmed. Lucky And kids. when they were questioned by the police, they claimed that they, that they didn't hear anything at all. Hmm. So again, like imagine, I mean, someone is, three people are getting murdered. Yeah. Right? And by looking at this cabin, I don't think they're playing PlayStation in their room. Right. I don't, I don't even think if, you're watching cable even TV. If, 1981. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't yeah, think 81. you're. Uh, even if the killer was really trying to be silent, anything. you can't control the victims and the screams and the defense. And, I mean, this yeah. guy cannot kill all three people at the same time. There's got to be panic from one end, screaming on the sure, other, fighting of people off, things breaking. Yeah, things knocked over. Right. Yeah. It, it's very strange. And, this is yeah. strange to me, at least. And I know nothing of this case. It is strange. And in fact, um, actually going with that perfectly, is that one of the couples in a neighboring cabin, I know, I'm sorry, I keep saying there's a lot of cabins, but they're all kind of clustered close mm, together. Yeah, it's like a little cabin. Yeah, compound. a little like community. Yeah. Sure. So one of the couples that lived in one of the surrounding cabins actually did hear something around 1.30 in the morning. And what they told police was that they heard something they that they described as muffled screams. <laughs> and they told wow. police like it was such a weird and disturbing sound that even if they would have heard something at night, they would have been like, oh, it's just my imagination or oh, maybe it's, it's a neighbor's an TV or, or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, they actually went outside to look around, make sure like oh, wow. they, they didn't see anything weird going on, but they didn't call the police. And well, I don't know. The point? I don't know if it's because they didn't have a phone. Mm. Well, yeah. I know well, how are they going to call the police then? Well, some true. of the neighbors had phones and some right. didn't. So this specific couple, it didn't. I couldn't find any information. All I know is that they heard something, they went out, they looked around, didn't yeah. see well, anything weird. Understandable. So I mean, how many times have you gone through something where you, you look back and you're like, why didn't I call the police in this circumstance that I've been yeah, in? And definitely. I've been that when we saw that yeah. crazy hooker with yeah, no pants on Yeah, we saw some dead LA. hooker, I think. In yeah, LA. and we we just drove by yeah. and we're like, that I mean, sucks. I don't know why we didn't call. Don't stop yeah, I don't know hookers. why we didn't call the police. On the next episode. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Well, I think that your brain kind of goes like, no. No way. Right. No. 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 You sometimes feel so invincible. Fine. You know what I mean? And yeah. you don't think like like you said, you're like, oh yeah, right. Like I this isn't gonna happen to me. No. But well, especially no back one, then, right? Nineteen eighty one. I mean yeah. paranoia paranoia was not as high as it is today. Yeah, so you didn't have social not. media, you didn't yeah. have all the yeah. you didn't have podcasts like this, you didn't ha have the knowledge yeah. that's out there now. You slept with your window open. Yeah, That's absolutely. Right. Just like American Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> but this was, and again, the kind of like what we said earlier, just weird that like, the neighbors heard something, yeah, but these kids the heard kids nothing. Heard How do they, like they're in the same house. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, those kids, right? something crazy with those kids. Need to be you questioned. think there's something crazy with everybody. Well, it's because everyone's a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's right. I don't trust any of you. <laughs> mm -mm. So the county sheriff's office is at this point just questioning anyone they can. Um, but in particular, they decide to question Justin's stepdad. So remember, Justin was the 12-year-old boy who slept over that night. Okay. He was in the room with the other two boys who claimed that they were all asleep. They didn't hear anything. And Justin's also the one that said the 12-year-old's missing. Yes. Got it. And so they go and they interview his stepdad. His name was Martin Smart and his and his mom, uh, Marilyn. And and what Martin told the investigators pretty much made him like a prime suspect in all of this. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. He incriminated himself. Yeah. He wasn't so, so smart, Martin Smart. Yeah. No, right? The smarts. The smarts. <laughs> 
So police asked Martin what he was doing the night of the murders. Classic question. He told them that a friend of his who was nicknamed Bo, and his real name is kind of hard to pronounce. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Severin John Boudet. That's a murderer's name. So they say so he's known as Bo. So I'm just going to say Bo. Um, so this his friend of his Bo was staying with his family for a little while. And he said that earlier in the evening of, of April 11th that he, his wife Marilyn, and his friend Bo decided that they were going to go drinking at this place called the Backdoor Bar. And drinking. actually, Martin worked there as a chef. It, he, it was his day off, but he thought it'd be a good idea to go have a few drinks. And so on their way to the bar, the three of them stopped by Sue's house and asked her if she wanted to come hang out with them, if she wanted to go to the bar and get some drinks, but she decided not to go. She's like, no, I'm good. I have these kids here. I'm just going to hang out with the kids. Okay, great. See you later. Should have got a sitter. <laughs> so I, once I got to the bar, a few drinks in, Martin all of a sudden gets like super angry and starts throwing a fit because he doesn't like the kind of music that the manager is playing in the bar. <laughs> And he starts throwing like oh, this shit those, bit. Huh? Yeah. Is he telling the cops this or is this just noted from the night? He told the cops this or his wife did. Somebody told the cops this, but I think I'm pretty sure he did. Just basically how angry he was. Yeah, like he was like, like super the music angry. sucked. I don't yeah. care who died. Uh, I don't yeah. like Creed. <laughs> yeah. So he told them like, yeah, he, he yelled at the manager because the music was horrible. And so they it was so bad and the manager wouldn't change the music. So like they the all decided to leave. That. <laughs> We're like trying to figure out who got killed here. And you're telling me I'm about the crappy music. Child. Right. Right. So they all left the bar. They go back to their cabin where Marilyn decided like she's done drinking for the night. She just wants to watch TV, kind of chill and then go to sleep. But Martin tells the police he was still so pissed that the music sucked. So he decided to call the manager. He goes and calls the manager and complains again about this music, like how horrible it was. And so he was just really like, do you think he was trying to get at Sue? The, like he like snuck into the house and was trying to get it and then she said no so he got pissed about so the music him. and killed everyone <laughs> actually a motive that they say of why he would have done it is sue was friends with his wife marilyn and sue was trying to convince marilyn to divorce him oh because Ooh. he was hot-headed he was abusive Clearly. yeah yeah and remember, Sue had herself just left an abusive marriage. And right. so she was like, mm. she's an advocate. For yeah, right. Yeah. right. She's, this is, yeah. I feel so good. You could right. feel good right. too. Right. Absolutely. And so, yeah, and he wasn't having that. So well, that's what they go. think is uh, one of the uh, motives. So, so after this. And then probably didn't kill the boys because his son was in there with him. That's what I think. But it wasn't right. his son. It was his stepson, but still, yeah. Well, he mm. could have still had some compassion, that lunatic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not much compassion <laughs> if he killed the other. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so for some reason like I said he called complained about the music again and then he and Bo went back again to the bar Jeez. for more drinks okay. I mean small town it's the only bar you got yeah I guess <laughs> must be so at this point they thought they might have a prime suspect so the sheriff's office contacted the Department of Justice in Sacramento and two Department of Justice investigators named Harry Bradley and P.A. Krim sounds like a fictional name but anyway fancy british cop yeah they conducted additional <laughs> in the interviews middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> hello i'm pa crim here yes. i'm sherlock holmes's partner it's like a slasher <laughs> movie with like the clue going on at the right. same time <laughs> that would be pretty cool i know <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea yeah, right and so these so these investigators uh like i said they 
we're like, okay, we need to interview these people more, get, have a few we more interviews to, yeah. just to kind of like double check more everything. questions. So they interview Martin, Marilyn, and Bo once again. While they interviewed Marilyn, this was his wife, investigators learned that she and Martin had actually separated the day after the murders. So once this happened, she's oh. like, I'm out. She but, told them yeah. that he was really, really short-tempered. He was very violent, and he was definitely abusive, and she just had oh enough. Gosh. Yeah, so That's... his suspicions were probably true that Sue was trying to convince her to walk away. Yeah. He and... took her underwear off. <laughs> yeah. He's a freak. He is a freak. I mean, like I said, you got to But what is that? But what somehow. is that? Yeah, what does that represent? He stuffed it into her mouth. I mean, some you know people, what I mean? Yeah, keep your mouth I, shut. I, yeah, stay out of like, my business. Exactly. He didn't do that to either one of the bo- of the boys. Oh yeah, right. Mm. Just to her. I mean, some people pay for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think she paid for this one though. <laughs> paid with her life. Oh, oh my god. Lord. Okay, keep so this on. part gets a little. <laughs> we're gonna get banned. Confusing. We're a little all weird. All the cliche moments of a podcast. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Go I know. <laughs> So the Department of Justice investigators um, interviewed, like we said, Martin, Bo, and Marilyn. And after they interviewed them, even though Marilyn said all of these things about her husband, they decided to let them all go. And they basically said like, oh, they all sound pretty innocent. I don't see any reason to keep interviewing these people. So they're free to go. And I'll get into why people think this happened um, in just a minute. But yeah, so they let them go really weird. And even after they let them go, Marilyn contacted them again. And she said, you know what? There's one more thing I need to tell you guys. Actually, two more things. The first is that my husband hated John Sharp, who was the boy. That was Sue's son that was murdered. He was face Face up, face stabbed. Mm -hmm. Yes. So she's like, he hated, hated him. So there's another motive, right? We don't know why. And then she also admitted that the next morning on April 12th, the day that she left him, Mm -hmm. she saw him burning all these weird things in the fireplace. Like that was totally out of character. Yeah. So she saw what she saw Martin, like what kind of things she saw him burning. She said she couldn't see what it was in detail, but he was acting really suspicious and burning things in the fireplace. Maybe the clothes he was wearing. Right. Right. Anything. But that again, they didn't. They didn't follow up. What dumb no. twit cops do they have in this small folk town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was Norman Bates the sheriff? <laughs> Sounds like it. So as time went on, investigators, for some reason, they didn't. They let them go, but they thought that they would interview Justin one more time. Justin was the son that was there, okay. and it might have been because the community was pressing them, like, "How are you letting these people go?" So probably to like shut everybody up, they interviewed the son, and they're just trying to kind of figure out. If maybe he really did see anything, but he was scared. But each time they questioned him, his story would change. So this was a little bit of a red flag. Like why? The son of Sue or the son of the the, crazy guy? The son of the crazy guy. The stepson. I'm sure that guy was the stepdad was probably. Oh yeah, I totally pressing him him to not to not incriminate. Yeah, incriminate him. Yeah. So remember, at first he told the investigators he was asleep. So were the other two boys. They didn't hear anything. They didn't see anything. But in a later interview, he described a very detailed dream that he had. So he's like, oh, I had this dream and I was on a boat and I saw John and I saw Dana fighting with this guy. So John and Dana were the two friends, right? Right, The son and his friend. Mm -hmm. And they were fighting with this man who had long black hair, a mustache, black glasses, and he was carrying a hammer. And 
they're like, whoa, that's a really specific dream, yeah, right? Definitely. Like, then, who the hell remembers their full dream like that? Right. Like, I'm like, I and think especially there was, later you know, in time, not yes. from that night. Yeah, you're right. going to remember it. Like, did he say he had that dream that night or he had a dream recently? And that's what he's, you know what I'm he's, saying? Like, he said, I believe that night. And he hmm. now wants to share Yeah. It. And then he said that the man who, the man they were fighting first threw John overboard because he, he dreamt that they were on a ship, right? And then he threw Dana overboard too and that Dana was apparently so drunk he couldn't stand up. So it's like, again, all these details, right? Yeah. In the dream, he described seeing a body that was covered by a sheet. Oh, that was the mom. And as he looked under the sheet, he saw Sue. Yeah, the mom. Who had a knife cut in her chest. And as we know, she was stabbed in the chest and in the neck. Oh, yeah. In real life. Either this kid saw something or I think the stepdad could have fed him some crap, you know, some intel. Right. And just said, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe the little guy was just sleepwalking. (laughs) Maybe... But yeah, very detailed dream. A lot of things that paralleled what really Just happened. Weird that he didn't share that information right, yeah, right off, the, off bat. the bat. And and I did and I did read in one in one of the uh, research websites that I did that he was under hypnosis when he uh, shared this when dream? he talked about the dreams. Uh, so I don't know. Does hypnosis even work? I don't know. I've. I've it's never Remember when that weird me. guy tried to hypnotize me? <laughs> and I had to pretend like pretend I, I, so I had to pretend. Stop. Yes, he kept. He's like, let me try again. He was and like he for forty five minutes yeah, trying to hypnotize her. Again. It's just like um, it was ridiculous. I just had to pretend to fall asleep and not laugh. <laughs> oh, you did, <laughs> but it, I sir. was but I was cracking up the whole time. <laughs> he had like a pocket watch and everything. Anyway, sorry. Go yeah, on. yeah. So in my experience, hypnosis does not work. Same. It's a crack. So then um, one more time after this, after the hypnosis, he was interviewed while being polygraphed. And during the polygraph, Justin said that he thought that he saw the murders actually take place. He said that night he heard a noise which woke him up. And so he decided to open the bedroom door and kind of peek into the living room. And he saw Sue lying on the sofa. Uh, She didn't seem to be panicked. She was just kind of hanging out. And there was these two guys standing in the middle of the room. And all of a sudden, something happened to where things turned hostile because he described the men, again, one with black hair, dark glasses. The other one had brown hair and he was wearing army boots. And so he's saying they kind of like argued with the woman, with Sue. And then as they were arguing, John, the son and his friend came into the room and they began arguing with the two men also, probably try to get them the hell out of there. Yeah. And if it was Martin and Bo, they were probably drunk at this time because they were back and forth at the bar. They've been drinking. Now does Bo have glasses and dark hair? They, yeah, they did. They did fit the description. Yeah. And the army boots. And the kid didn't know that was his stepdad. Well, he's doesn't, I don't think he wants to tell the police, but he's on that lie detector test. Yeah. Yeah. Is that still a way that they do? So the thing with the polygraph is it's, it's not allowed in court because it's not really scientifically proven to tell the truth. It measures your, your heart, heart rate, rate right? Yeah. Usually Ooh, that when you're me lying, out. your heart beat goes faster. Yeah, so if you're I lying, your heart beats. <laughs> I really do. That's so random. When my so sister random. was pregnant and we heard the baby's heartbeat, I freaked out. I had to walk out of the room. She did. When I try to make her touch my stomach, she'd like start crying. I mean, way. what if you were holding one in your hand, though? A heart? Yeah. Beating? Yeah. I'd eat it? <laughs> yeah okay so now it's cool <laughs> now you're yeah, down sure now you want to eat it? i've eaten a chicken heart before i bet you have not you raw i would yeah, no you would. the hell out of here meanwhile kiki's squirming in her chair right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so everyone knows. she's like sweating <laughs> i'm trying to be a vampire <laughs> oh boy okay so he sees the guys in the middle of the living room they're starting to argue mm-hmm. with john and his crazy. friend 
right? A fight broke out, um, mm-hmm. fight, and fight, Dana fight. tries to escape through the kitchen, but the man with the brown hair hit him with a hammer. Oh, snap. Yeah, John was being attacked by the man with the black hair, and Sue was trying to help her son, John. And Justin says that at this point, he just hid behind the door because he freaked out. Oh, so he did see this mm-hmm. stuff going on. He then saw the men tying up John and Dana, and he claimed that he saw Tina come home. I'm sorry, that he also saw Tina, the 12-year-old, come into the living room. So there's all this commotion going on, right? They're tying up John. They're tying up his friend. They're tying up the mom. And then the 12-year-old girl comes into the living room like, what's what's going on? What kind she's of party you got going on yeah, here? Yeah, she's holding a blanket. She's like, mom? And as she goes in there and asks for her mom, the two men grab her. And take her out the back door as she's screaming for help. And they just I want to know how these men head. were able to tie down two teenage men and a grown woman. Well, I mean, they were teenage boys. They weren't like big buff guys, you know. Yeah, just, you know just, especially if you hit one with a hammer. Yeah, I don't care, yeah. I don't care how, you're not expecting it. No, right? yeah. You don't have no, no way to defend yourself. Absolutely not. Especially being just like yeah, a teenager. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And then at this point, um, once um, one of the men takes Tina out of the house, the other one takes the knife and stabs Sue in the chest before oh, he leaves. Yeah. And Justin gives, uh, he works with a sketch artist to come up with Ugh, a composite drawing of like murderers. the two men. And like have, I would not get out of my car at a gas station if I saw the, those dudes walking around. Definitely not. Nope, Just those mustaches. Ooh. They look like the Unabomber. They do. They look like brothers. Ew. <laughs> They definitely look like brothers. His weird, like, creepy, <laughs> creepy pedophile part in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right down the middle, too. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It's definitely how a crazy murderer would do his hair. Oh. It kind of looks like Charlie Chaplin, the guy with the glasses. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you want to take a better look. Um, So, sorry, go on. Yeah, no problem. So, with this, um, I guess so the big question is, why would they keep pretty much going around and around and not just convicting these guys or at least arresting them. And so at them. this point, they still don't know what happened to Tina. That last they saw, right. this kid saw, is one is of them. One of Do you know which one her. was taking her into the backyard? No, we don't. Okay. So again, you know, no one's being arrested at this point. Tina is gone. And years and years go by. Oh, dang. So about three years later, in 1984... The cranium part of the of a skull was found about thirty miles away from Ketty, and after they found the skull, someone anonymously called the county sheriff's office and kind of suggested that they try to connect the skull to Tina. So, what? I believe what happened was it was in the news, right? Oh, sheriffs found part of a skull in da 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 this place thirty miles away, and um. And then all of a sudden, some guy's calling the sheriffs and saying that he thinks it's Tina's skull. Yeah. So it's like, whoa, why Why would you even make that connection three years after the fact unless you knew something about that? Mm-hmm. So and it was an anonymous call, which is anonymous. weird if you don't have anything. Was it... So they had already found the skull and then yeah. he called in? Okay. Yeah, they Maybe. found the skull and then did they, he called like, was in. The skull, you might not know, but was how did he even know they found the skull? Did they make that like uh, public like knowledge? Or? I'm, yeah, I'm I'm assuming that it was just um, probably on the a news or whatever. I want to visit this little skull. town. We should go up there. Yeah, I actually researched they it. They have a really great diner up there. You <laughs> oh, <human> have diners. <laughs> yes. At I least one of them. I researched it and yeah. they, <laughs> only one. Only one. And the the cabin itself has been demolished. 
because a lot of people would go there and like try to do witchcraft or uh, just like of course, you know, of course. Be squatters. You just want to see yeah. the brutal place that it happens. So there's no right. cabins up there now? Not that I'm aware of. Thank God. There I might be. Stay there anyway. I, I don't I don't think that resort or that I'd be yeah, scared cabin resort yeah, is open anymore. <laughs> yeah, you guys would be freaking out. I'd be like, what's that? Every two seconds. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so then another weird thing is they tried to do like a voice analysis of the of the anonymous caller about the skull and Apparently, the sheriff's office couldn't find the tape of the 911 call. What? Oh, no. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So another weird thing like, oh, it's just all of a sudden missing. He was probably in on it. He's probably all drunk with them hating on the music. Probably. So after they got this call, though, the, the sheriff's office actually did go out there to do another search, a more thorough search of the area. And they found a jawbone. And several other bones that were identified as they weren't Tina. together. They were scattered. So this, but full, it had like, been three years, so it might have been animals. animals and, you know. Yeah. yeah. They also found an empty medical tape roll. Oh, oh no. Yep. Same as the one. What's wrong with at that the fool? Scene. Couldn't he just like? He's just leaving just evidence everywhere. Yeah, and why did you have to kill sloppy. the poor Probably because they were drunk. Because mm-hmm. they didn't like the music. Well, the, <laughs> the poor the little music. girl. She was probably like raped. Because why wouldn't Ooh. they kill her? Uh, at the house that's so creepy it's so she, was young, right? she was 12 or she was only 12 yeah but guys are not guys but some men are creepy they're pedophiles well, yeah if so you're gonna yeah. go killing yeah if you're gonna like that, murder yeah, all these can't. people you might as well take a little side piece yeah that's so sad that very sad. sad and so their number one suspect martin smart he died in 2000 and Dead not riddance yeah not <laughs> long after his death his therapist actually came forward and told the Plumas County Sheriff's Office that he had confessed to him that what? he killed Sue because she was trying to convince Marilyn to leave him. Oh, called it. Oh, shit. And I should be a detective. Shouldn't be running her mouth. In some, <laughs> in some reports, Martin never told the therapist who killed John, Dana, and Tina. But in others, it says that he killed Sue and he killed Tina. So who was the other gentleman? Just a friend of his? His friend named Bo. uh, Apparently they were both veterans, um, I believe from Vietnam. And they met at some like VA hospital and they were both being treated for uh, PTSD. And they both lived in the same town? And Bo actually lived with him, with Martin for a short period of time. wow. During the time that the murders happened, Bo was staying with him. Yeah. So he's just kind of like there for the ride. She's like, oh, what? We're going to go kill these people? How did he die? I'll help you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this together. Yeah. Who, did, Martin? Yeah. I don't I don't know, actually. He may have had like health problems. I don't know. It doesn't so say. So this is about 20 years later that he died? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20 years later. And he never went to prison for this? Nope. Never went to prison, not even wow. for a day. Um, he had told his therapist that it was easy for him to beat the polygraph because he and, at the time, the Plumas County Sheriff, Doug Thomas, were friends. Oh, oh. shady and, business. Yeah. yeah you're and not going to randomly lose a police lose, call. Yeah, especially because you just yeah. found, it just happened right now. Yeah. Right. And it's like the investigators were the ones that were like, hey, this guy Martin and, and this other guy Bo seem suspicious. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, how do you not get convicted or even like a closer look? After, that sounds like really... I don't want to say solid evidence because obviously they didn't have like hair or blood samples or whatever. But this kid is essentially describing these two guys. Yeah, he is distracting from the whole story when he's being interviewed about how terrible music was. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, it, it just sounds very bizarre. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And in addition to all of that, 
was also found out and the stuff that was found out that I'm telling you guys about now, I'm going to explain how we know this okay. since people do believe it was a cover up. But also now what was found out was that the day after Marilyn left Martin, mm-hmm. he had written her a letter, like a handwritten letter and mailed it to her. And an excerpt from the letter said, quote, I've paid the price for your love. And now that I've bought it with four people's lives, you tell me we're through. Great. What else do you Is want? Is that what he was burning? No, he mailed that letter to her. Like she had the letter. And she she gave never it, gave it to the... She gave it oh, to police. And nothing... But it was never like... They just ignored it. They just filed it in the evidence room and did nothing with it. Oh my God. It clearly just said... Like he basically wrote it out that he killed four people or that he was at least responsible for it. Because she turned the letter in, but it was just never treated as a confession. That's insane. You know, and, and this is... I know I'm always really paranoid and it's genuine. And this is why... People are so, I'm so cautious. I think there's been an instance where I know someone who was abused and you don't know how to get involved or to warn this person, even when the uh, abusee, the person who, the victim, Mm -hmm. and you don't, you're afraid to come up and say something. A lot of times it makes it worse. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I've been in that personally where I want to be there for somebody, even someone I didn't know well. Right. And and then hearing these stories kind of fuels. She didn't belong. And, but but you should, but you should put your nose where you shouldn't belong in that case. You should be there to show support and to protect you know, your fellow human, you should never stand by and let that happen. But there are consequences. And that's the unfortunate, scary part. And that's where my paranoia stems that there is so much of this. There are psychotic people. And Mm -hmm. if you think you're doing the right thing, perhaps you are. And I'm not saying you should keep your mouth shut, but just be very cautious in, you know, how you are getting involved. And, you know, it's terrifying to me. Making sure your voice is heard by the right people. Because I feel like I've been there. I'm like, should I say this right now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to be the, a good person and be there, but at the same time, you might you're murdered. fueling this fire with this truly psychotic person. Mm-hmm. You never know what somebody's truly capable of. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So now, just recently, uh, there's a new sheriff in town. Oh, and this sounds, like sons, <laughs> sounds like sons of anarchy. Sounds like sons of anarchy. Something doesn't yeah. smell right here. Right? I'm going to open charming, this back up. Charming town. Completely so, it out. new sheriff, Sheriff Gamberg, uh, is now name. the sheriff of the Plumas County that Sheriff's that's Office. A strong name. And he's he's now officially reopened the case. Ooh. I'm pretty sure he also thinks that Martin and Bo are responsible, but he's doing his due diligence. I mean, I could tell you they are. <laughs> Just with everything <laughs> they right, told me. It's pretty obvious. Um, can, what year did he come in as the new sheriff? Do you have that? Um, you know, Just curious how much longer after the murders that he came into the picture. I know. Well, okay. So he was a deputy, actually, while the murders... Like the time of the murders, he was a deputy and Sheriff Thomas, what is that? What's his name? I believe so. Yeah. And and Sheriff Thomas at the time noticed that Gamberg was like getting too close to figuring out who did it. And so he suspended him and he wouldn't let him work on the case at all. I wonder why this sheriff, though they were friends, like, why are you so invested in protecting these assholes? You know what I mean? At some point, your moral compass should kick in. But, you know. Yeah, should should have could have would have exactly. Yeah, these small towns. But yeah, they they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't That's let him crazy. pursue leads. They wouldn't let him look at evidence. Nothing when he was a deputy. But when he finally got to be sheriff, he was able to reexamine a lot of the evidence and just do a really thorough search of the area. And on March twenty fourth, two thousand sixteen, they did a search of like the the woods and the lake that was nearby, and they found uh, a hammer 
I don't know if you guys remember, but I said they they used two hammers and two right. knives. Yeah. yeah. At the crime scene, they only found one hammer. Okay. And when they interviewed Martin again, Martin Smart, he willingly told police the first time that he lost his hammer recently. Like, why, why are you telling randomly, people? Randomly, he's like, I hated the music and I lost my <laughs> and damn I lost hammer. My damn hammer. <laughs> and I'm just pissed. So angry about this hammer. music and I don't my care. hammer. God dang it! I need my, I need my damn hammer. <laughs> Yeah, and so they're saying that he probably, obviously, he like took it and threw it in the lake or whatever. Clearly, because where it was found, the investigators say like it would have been intentionally hidden there. There's no way or some dude is just, just dropping his hammer like a just raccoon through came. the woods. Yeah. And I dropped my hammer. hammer right here. Yeah, you can't accidentally misplace a hammer at the bottom no, of the lake. Definitely not. Yeah, and then they, uh, I guess they um, did their forensic analysis, and it was one of the murder weapons. They matched it up to the wounds. On the bodies from huh. photographs. Jeez. There you go. Yeah. Also, last year in 2018, um, a segment of that medical tape. Remember that we said they were about right, medical yeah. tape? Yeah. So the sheriff went in and pulled evidence. And he was able to get a piece of that medical tape. And it had identifiable DNA on it. And that piece of tape was taken from the crime scene right next to where one of the bodies was. Next to Sue's body. And they, they don't tell us who matches the dna on the tape all that i found was that this uh now special investigator mike gamberg and the sheriff are that they that they have just uh, identified someone um so is the other guy Bo? is he alive still good question no he actually died also oh so they're both dead they're both dead and Bo, i think Bo actually after they released him the Department of Justice said he was free to go. He left. He like went out of state and he tried to scam some cops into something like scam them out of money or Dude, this something. Legit yeah, sounds right? like sons of anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> and Sutter comes out. I know. But he got busted and he was going to be incarcerated, but he died before he ever served any time. So they're both dead. <laughs> but basically the last few things are just about the evidence. Um, again, the sheriff sorting through evidence and he found one bag of evidence that was never even opened at all. <laughs> the original investigation <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh in- i mean i feel like the cops had more to do with it than that's what else yeah did. it's, a, it's right. a huge very conspiracy. corrupt yeah very corrupt the adams inside never entered into evidence officially and let's see there was one more oh and then another piece again of evidence that he discovered was in an envelope that was never opened again it contained that 911 tape recording of the anonymous caller calling about Tina's skull oh, so it was in the evidence no, so they had it I would it. love to hear that they had it yeah is that on like um online we might be able to find it yeah and so Gamber thinks that the tape was deliberately ignored when it arrived obviously of course just like they ignored they, everything so else. is this town in like a forest yeah, it's like a very foresty. You said it's up like up north California. Yeah, dude, up north like California. I live there, and it is there's some creepy little areas. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding, dude. There's some remote creepy shit up yeah, there. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. No definitely. offense to all you NorCal folk. I I it's beautiful, but Lord, I think Jason Voorhees is gonna come out of the bushes. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, that, that's kind of what I wonder about all this. Were they just stupid in not knowing how to deal with this kind of stuff? And like, I don't know. We put the evidence in the bag, and then we it just move put on it here. And I and don't know. Like, I feel like their I no, think that, that their leadership was, correct, was right? yeah. I, I, I my gut feeling was that the sheriff was it, either in on it or yeah. part of a small cover. town not as many eyes on the town and I i'm imagine. sure they weren't as advanced as today with the protocol of course well, but I mean, yeah we we get to look at all the facts and see how stupid it sounds but um, yeah 
But back then. Yeah, no, definitely. Trying to figure that out. I don't know. Yeah. It just sounds stupid. And plus, I know we weren't there. So So what do we think? We think it was Martin and Bo? Well, yeah. Oh, oh, easily. Easily. Um, There's yeah. no mystery in this podcast Definitely not. Tonight. Especially because his therapist he confessed. literally confessed to his therapist. Right. But the therapist didn't say anything because confidentiality so I wonder why the two little boys didn't say anything. Did they really sleep through all that? Well, they're little the boys. Ten, the 10-year-old and the 5-year-old? Yeah, but he's still 10 Yeah, but they could have I mean, came I, into the room and been like, if you say anything, we will kill you. Yeah. If, yeah. And sure. they're young. Right. Kid. If you say I, anything I to like the cop. A, I believe a 5-year-old would sleep through that, but I mean like a 10-year-old. Right. I'm sure they yeah. came in and were like, we will find you and we will kill you. We will cut you. Sure. All that. <laughs> all the above. I don't know. I feel like if... I don't think the I kids like were they in on it. They would have no. just killed No, not in on it, but... I mean, yeah, I don't think they slept through it. Clearly, they didn't because the stepson pretty vividly knew what happened. And I think it's weird that the stepson is the one who brought it to the police's attention that the, that Tina was missing. Because he, I'm sure he saw a lot of what was going on. I'm sure there was right. some threat or something behind there that scared these kids to not say something. And, you know, as time evolves and progresses, the truth eventually will unravel unfortunately in this case not uh in not enough time enough. to prosecute these two but at least they're dead yeah i guess that's a break i side. think the hopes now are that they would prosecute the sheriff at the is time is he still alive he is what yeah. an asshole and they interviewed him about it and he was just like laughing like oh that's ridiculous like people are nuts there's no way i like, hope he's still okay hollywood in that yeah, field. Right. yeah trying to make something where it's not yeah he's retired but um yeah, and I think and I think one of the things because I did read that one of the pieces of ed- evidence like the DNA on the medical tape, they said that he, they matched it to someone who was still alive today. Oh. So it can't be Martin, it can't be Bo cuz they're both dead, right? Yeah. It could have been the so, sheriff. Exactly. So who would that leave that's still alive today is the sheriff. Three probably covered at the bar up. or something. For sure, because I I just asked that a little earlier. I said why is he so invested the sheriff in protecting his friend. I mean, yeah, friends, okay, but this is a huge thing that could yeah. potentially put the sheriff in, in prison for life or, you know, losing his career. So there had to be some more Yeah, I feel like there's something we don't, know. we don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either he was outside, you know, and he was like on the lookout or cuz I mean, I know yeah. the stepson didn't say he saw him. I don't know, but the fact that the DNA shows up maybe he maybe he's the one who took Tina out into the woods. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's know. where they found the DNA was around the hammer and the woods, all that. So there was just a bunch of other rumors too, like saying like Sue was like a druggie and she was a prostitute. But that then has they, nothing to do with her. No, dying, I know. But yeah. they're just like, and then like that it was like a cult that came in and it was like a cult murder. But you know, I love just, cult murders. <laughs> too bad. I keep finding just Manson murders. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I could talk about those, but they're so. I'd want to hear about it. I don't care if it's overdone. Okay. Next week on Buried Sisters. <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, so that was the Kitty Cabin murder case. And thanks, Clay, for being part of our. Uh... Thank you for the interesting, crazy story. Oh, you're you not going to be able to sleep tonight. I might not, even though I don't Hopefully know. Hopefully it was okay. I live in a pretty along. populated town. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared, dude. I don't give a, a hoot. Someone's going to try to come up at my window. Luckily, I have a 6 5 Lance over here. So uh, You also live on a second floor, so nobody's don't tell coming through your window. Right. Third floor, fifth floor. <laughs> third we're, on the, we're on the, like, the sixth floor. We're in the penthouse suite. Fourth floor <laughs> in Oregon. Yes. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And remember to stay paranoid or be buried. 
Once again, thanks for listening, Grave Diggers. Don't forget to rate and review The Buried Sisters on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us at facebook.com backslash The Buried Sisters and on Instagram at The Buried Sisters. Dig you later. Dig you later.